Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, it is Christmas time, so I thought I would kind of go back and really talk about the prophecy today. What do you mean the prophecy? Well, we all know that Jesus was born. I, I need to inform everybody here, it wasn't in December. More than likely it was in May. But the reality is is that we just celebrate his coming. Do you understand? But there's a, there was 700, about 730 years before the coming was the prophecy that the child would come. And I think if we go back and look, and which is what we're going to do today, we're going to look at why the prophecy was given. I think it has even implications for you and I today. Because the reality is, is that Christmas is a festive time of the year. But we can forget why we celebrate Christmas. And so what I want to do today is kind of remind us, because especially the message of Christmas and the implications of Christmas are really for every day in our lives. It has meaning every day. Because for some of you, this is not a great time of the year. You maybe are missing a loved one who's not there at the table anymore. Maybe it brings up memories that haunt you of Christmas's past that you want to forget. Because for some families, this is not a wonderful time of the year. But the reality is, is that Christmas is more than all of what we, whether it's good or bad in our lives, Christmas is about Jesus. So let's talk about that this morning. So let's look. We're in Isaiah chapter 7. We're going to look at the first 16 verses. And I'm going to share with you a little bit of what's going on here. The prophet writes, Now it came to pass in a day of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramelah, the king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syrian forces are deploying in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the wood were moved with the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go meet Ahaz at the upper end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the sons of Remaliah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and trouble it. Let us make a gap in its walls for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabel. Thus says the Lord, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and for the head of Damascus is risen. And sixty-five years Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remelah's son. If you will not believe, surely it shall not be established. 
Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask either in the depth or in height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, this is Isaiah speaking, Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Curs and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse evil and choose good. For the child shall know to refuse evil and choose good, and the land you dread will be forsaken by her kings. Interesting prophecy. We understand the prophecy in terms of its foretelling concerning the coming of Jesus, and that is its primary thing. But also you need to understand, with prophecy, let me give you a lesson about prophecy in the Bible. Prophecy has a near and future fulfillment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Prophecy primarily has a near and future fulfillment. This sign was given to King Ahaz, that before, when this child is born, these kings that he's afraid of are going to be dealt with. And we see that, actually, in the next chapter. There's a child born, but his name isn't Emmanuel, though, it's, and that's fulfilled. That was the near fulfillment. The far fulfillment was when Jesus came. But I think when we look at this story, we're going to see some key factors out of this story that you and I can relate to. Like what, George? Well... We're going to see that there's a growing fear. We're going to see that there's an assurance that's given by God. We're going to see a lack of faith. And then we're going to see the sign. The growing fear. Let's talk about that. I think we can all relate to that. Here's two things that come out of this passage. Here's what's happening. Let me set the setting for you. At this time, it's about 740, 730 B.C. So this is 700 and around 740, 50 years before the birth of Jesus. Israel is divided into two kingdoms. You've got the southern kingdom, which is Judah and Benjamin, and the other ten tribes are up in the north. It's called the northern kingdom or Samaria. And what was happening here is, is that the king of Israel at that time was not a godly man. All the kings of Israel were wicked men. He makes a, an alliance with the king of Syria, or Damascus, and they decided that they're going to get whoop up on or attack the king in the south, which is the king of Judah, which is the house of David. And they try to attack the house of David, but they're not able to prevail, but if the times are tense, things are not going really well. And so I want you to notice, the first thing we see this in, in And verse 1 here is that the days are increasingly troubling. What's going on in their life right now is that the days are increasingly troubling. They're wondering, are they even going to exist anymore as a nation? Are they going to be attacked? With that comes famine. With that comes pestilence and disease and sickness. People are dying. Things are not going well. The security of the nation is not at all in grasp for people. Boy, can you relate to that today? Things are not what? Secure. In fact, times are troubling. Wars are happening. 
We look around the scene and we see extremists and we see madmen and so forth. And it's not like we've got a lot of friends out there, is it? I think we can relate very greatly to Israel at this point, to Judah at this point. So the times are troubling. Now here's what's going on. The second thing that we see this in verse 2. Look at what it says there in verse 2. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with wind. What's going on here? The people were driven by fear. People were driven by fear. That's really where he's talking about when the times are troubling and you are fearful, whatever the latest fear is, is going to drive you like the wind blows a tree. Does the wind have, does a tree have any control over how the wind blows it? It's whatever the wind is. And if you think about it, that's the way the hearts of the people were back then. But the reality is, that's the way a lot of our hearts are right now, aren't we? Some of us, we, get, we can't, I mean, some of us should not even watch the news. Why? Because as soon as we hear a bad report, we're in a funk. We get angry. We're miserable. We can't sleep at night. Why? Fear. Fear drives us. And we're becoming, isn't it? We're becoming a community like that. We're becoming a nation like that where the latest thing that happens drives us. It's like whenever the wind's blowing, we go with the wind. And that's the growing fear that's happening among the people at that time. We can relate to them, can't we? We can relate. But in the midst of this now, God speaks. In the midst of this now, we see this in verse 3, the Lord speaks to his prophet Isaiah and says, Hey, go to the king Ahaz and tell him this. Tell him some assurance. Tell him I'm in control. Tell him I've got a message for him. And we see that in verses 3 through 9 here. And so I want you to notice, here's what he says to him. First of all, look with me, verse 3 and 4. He says this, And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz, you and your son. At the end of the aqueduct and the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted about these two stubs of smoking firebrand. What's he saying here? First thing, don't be afraid because God's in control. Here's what's going on. The king is going because he's, he knows that these armies, they've already tried to attack him once. And what they do is, in that day, is the army lays siege. And so if you're going to be besieged, besieged, you have all these high walls, you've got to have, make sure you've got an adequate water supply and a food supply. And so the king knows that he's on the hit list with these two other kings. So he's going out and he's inspecting the aqueduct. Now what is that? That was the means of water getting into the city. He wanted to be sure that they had water coming into the city, that everything was fine. So he's making... Inspections because he's afraid of being attacked. So in the midst of this, God sends the prophet Isaiah and says to him, Look, bring a message and tell him to be quiet. Tell him to not fear. Why? Because I'm in control. In fact, he goes on in that passage in those short verses there and says to him, These two kings that you're afraid of aren't going to be a problem anymore. 
they're not going to be a problem anymore. He tries to communicate some assurance to him. Folks, God does that to us every day, doesn't he? We live in troubling times. We live in fearful times. We, we don't know what the day is going to hold. We don't know what next year is going to be. Can, can the economy get any worse? What about our security? And in the midst of it, God sends his prophets. We have the word of God. And he speaks to us and says, don't be afraid. I'm in control. I'm in control. Don't be afraid. And then he goes on. Look at me. It's very interesting because he tells them what's going to happen. And then at the very end, look at verse 9, last couple lines there. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. What's he saying here? Well, he's telling all of this to Ahaz. And then he kind of challenges Ahaz at the, at the end. And he says this, do you believe? Here's what's going on here. He's, he's saying to these folks who are troubled by what's going on, he says, here, here's the word of the Lord. The Lord says you're going to be okay. The Lord says this is what's going to happen to your enemies. Just be, just be calm. I'm in control. And at the end of it, he says, look, do you believe? Here, here's the other thing, folks. You know what? You've got whatever's going on in your life. Some of you, you're going through chaos right now. You're pretty good at covering it up. Somewhat good. Things are not going well. You're, you're kind of wondering what's going to happen. You live in fear. And God speaks to you and he, he communicates to you peace. Trust me. I'm in control. I'll get you through this. It may not go the way you want it to go, but I will get you through this. But the question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you have faith? I was challenged with this thought last night. Actually, it was this morning. I thought I'd sleep in this morning because we're not going to have Sunday school. And... But the body always wakes up at the same time, doesn't it? I was up this morning, I was thinking, I was thinking about how I sometimes react towards stress in my life. You know, you react towards stress in your life, don't you? You know, you realize that? Okay. But I was thinking, okay, how do I get a grip on the stress? Because we all face stress, right? All of us. You've all faced stress this week. You're facing stress right now, some of you. And the thought occurred to me, it's about faith. I get stressed out because at some point I I keep forgetting that God's in control. It's about how much I believe that. Do do you understand what I'm saying? So it's like you've got to get a grip on what you believe. And that's really the issue here. He's saying to him, you know what? You've got all this stuff happening. These armies are coming against you, and, and you're checking and making sure things are going okay, and you're not even sure that's going to work out, but I'm coming to you with a word from God, and God says, just be calm. It's okay. I'm in control. These two dudes, you're not going to have to worry about them. Do you believe? Do you trust me? I will see you through it. 
Now, it may not go the way you want it to go. Guys, you have to understand that. It doesn't always go the way we want it to go, but God will see you through it. The question is, do you believe? And then God does something interesting here. I wish he would do that with me sometimes. I know you and I would probably be on the same page as this, but he goes, the prophet goes to Ahaz and says, look, just so you know that this, what God says is going to happen, you ask any sign, whether in the heavens or on earth below, and God will grant it just to show you that what he's saying is true. In fact, the word sign there actually can mean miracle. Wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like that? I mean, God comes to you and says, hey, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. I'm in control. And just for you to be sure that you know that I'm in control, you ask me any kind of miracle on earth or in the heavens, and I'll do it for you right now just for you to be sure that I'm in control. Wouldn't that be great for us? Wish he would do that in my life a lot. But I mean, here he is. He's offering this king this. But, look at how the king responds. Verse 12, but Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. He has a lack of faith. Here's what's going on here. Two things. He covered his faithlessness with religion. He covered his faithlessness with religion. What's going on here? Well, this king, he's listening to Isaiah, and I'm sure he's thinking, oh, yeah, sure, that's nice. How many of you have ever done that? You're going through the midst of a problem, and you've got a really spiritual grandma or, or a friend or something, and they come along and say, oh, well, you know, just trust in Jesus. Jesus will get you through this. The Lord will strengthen you. All things work together for the good. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, when I'm done with you, I can panic again. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. This is where the king's at. And so now Isaiah says, and the Lord says, hey, whatever sign you want, you just do it. Rather than just saying he doesn't believe, he couches it with his religion. What do you mean? Well, in Deuteronomy, they were forbidden in Deuteronomy. The law said, do not test the Lord God. Don't put the Lord to a test. That means you can't go to the Lord and say, hey, Lord, If you're going to do this for me, you need to do this. That's called testing the Lord. Well, the problem is, Ahaz isn't testing the Lord. The God offered him a sign. But see, he's he's got no faith. He's faithless. But he wants to cover it because he's the king and the spiritual leader of the nation. So he covers it in religious terms. He still wants to look spiritual. Because here's what's going on. The next thing I want you to see here is this. He looked to others for help. The passage doesn't bring it out, but we know from historical records from that time that while this is all going on, Ahaz was a pretty shrewd dude. He thought, you know what, I've got these two kings coming against me. Probably the best thing for me to do is make an alliance with somebody. So here's what he did. He made an alliance with... The Assyrians, which was this big, warmongering nation to the north. 
So he wasn't trusting in God to take care of it, even though God said he would. He was going to trust the guy who had a lot of brawn and military power to do it. He had already looked somewhere else for it, for help. Isn't that what we do? We have the assurance of God. God says, I'm going to get you through your problem. And we try to act spiritual. But the fact of the matter is, is in our heart of hearts, we don't believe. And we look to other resources to get us through. We look to our brain power. We look to our wallet power. We look to whatever resources, whether it's the bank or something, or or a relative, or somebody to get us through our crisis. And the reality is, is we don't believe. And I want you to notice how God responds to that, because in a lot of ways we do act like Ahaz. But look at what the prophet says here now. Hear now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men. He says, look, it's insignificant for you to do this with other people. But notice what he says. But will you weary my God also? Let's just stop for a moment. Think about that for a moment. Because what Ahaz is doing, his lack of faith, trusting in other resources, not really giving any credence to what God says, or even the assurance of what God says, we do that all the time, don't we? If we're honest with ourselves, we do that all the time. And we just act like that's just a normal course of affairs, like it's no big deal because we do it all the time. In fact, everybody does it, right? But notice what the prophet is saying here. He's saying, you know what, it's it's insignificant if you do that to other people. If that's the way you are with people, fine. But will you weary God? Will you weary God with your behavior and your thinking and your faithlessness? That's what he's saying here. And he says, you know what? Even in spite of this, even in spite of you doing that, listen, I'm going to give you a sign. And look at what he says. Verse 14. And the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. Here's two things. Number one, here's the sign. A child will be born to a virgin. That's the first thing. We know that happened, don't we? 2,000 years ago. 13, 14-year-old Jewish girl in her household of her parents betrothed. What does that mean? Your marriage is already arranged for her to marry to a guy named Joseph. Already decided. And she's to wait until that time. Gets a visit from an angel who announces to her that she's been chosen to bear the Messiah. And she says, right, very claiming, how's that possible? I've never known a man. I'm a virgin. And the angel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. 
God himself will come upon you and you will conceive and bear a child. That's the sign. Here's the other thing. His name brings us to the next point. Is Emmanuel. What is that? God with us. Here's what I want you to see. God will be with us. God will be with us. Here's what I want you to see what's going on here with this sign. He's even in spite of the faithlessness of Ahaz. God gave the sign. Even in spite of our faithlessness. What do you mean, George, our faithlessness? Well, let's talk about it, folks. We are living in troubling times, aren't we? I just had somebody today tell me they got laid off for two weeks. They weren't expecting that. Why do they always do that around Christmas? Do you know what I'm saying? I don't understand. Why not do that like in why not do that in July? When we can go on vacation. Do you know what I mean? These are troubling times, are they not? And we're trying to make ends meet, and we're trying to have a normal life, and we're trying, and we're trying, and we're trying, and to the best of our abilities we try, and stuff happens. Medical bills come. Things happen. Unexpected things. Rate increases on stuff happen. Like, okay, I just didn't need that extra 50 bucks out of the month. Where did that come from? Stuff happens and we get the panic and and in the midst of it the Holy Spirit through His Word communicates to us peace. Trust in me. I will get you through this. Trust in me. But we're panicked because we wake up in the morning, we open our eyes and there it is. We go to sleep thinking about it. And we're trying with all of our brain power and with all of our buddy power and with Google and with Facebook and everything, trying to figure out how to get through the issue. But all we're expressing is our faithlessness. Our faithlessness. We don't trust God, do we? We've got to be honest with ourselves. We don't trust God. But in the midst of it, even in spite of us, He gives us a sign child. God himself coming among us. He will be with us. In spite of us. Isn't that awesome? See, this is what Christmas is about, folks. Yes, let's enjoy the festivities. Yes, let's enjoy the fun. Yes, let's have a great day opening presents and stuff. Yes, let's fill ourselves up on pork or turkey and fruit And blessed cheese balls. Okay? And then think about weight loss later, okay? But I mean, listen. But the message of Christmas is for every day. Because every day brings its troubles, does it not? And God says to you, don't be afraid. I'm in control. All you need to do is look and remember. I was born among you of a virgin. I went to the cross for you. I paid the price, the penalty of sin. I'm coming back to bring victory. Emmanuel, God with us. 
It's awesome, isn't it? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.